Michelle Gibbs. My husband Mike and I live in Idaho and we have five children. The oldest is 15 and the youngest is almost two years old. This year we are studying Doctrine and Covenants and church history. Join with me as I share thoughts that I have while I study using the Come Follow Me program from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This week we're studying Doctrine and Covenants sections 18 and 19, and these two sections are revelations given to, they're again the three witnesses, not all three together. I think section 18 is Oliver Cowdery and David Whitmer, and section 19 was to Martin Harris, but just giving them direction for other things in their in their lives and in their service to the Lord that they needed to know at the time. And one thing that stood out to me in section 18 as he's as the Lord is talking to Oliver Cowdery and David Whitmer, he's talking about the name of Christ. And in verses 24 and 25, he says, Wherefore, all men must take upon them the name which is given of the Father. For in that name shall they be called at the last day. Wherefore, if they know not the name by which they are called, they cannot have place in the kingdom of my Father. And that's what really struck me is actually in verse 25. If they know not the name by which they are called, they cannot have place in the kingdom of my Father. And I thought about knowing the name by which we are called and why we wouldn't know it. Um, because those of us who are studying the Doctrine and Covenants, obviously we have the Doctrine and Covenants, which means we have access to the restored gospel of Jesus Christ. But sometimes we choose not to learn the name of Jesus Christ, or some people never have that chance. Some people forget it. And I was thinking, well, how do you forget it? How do you choose not to learn it? What does it mean to know the name? It's more than just remembering what he is called. It is knowing him, I think, and doing our best to emulate him. And as we do that, then we really do know his name and take it upon ourselves. Without knowing him, we can't really claim that name upon us. I in college I had a friend and she wasn't a member but she was a good friend and we were both in the music department together and she was one year ahead of me and so she left before I did but we spent a lot of evenings studying together and she was a a big supporter of me and my goals to have a family and and children and even though she wasn't a member of the restored church of Jesus Christ she still knew how important those goals were to me and she was very supportive of those even though she had no interest in them now we didn't keep in touch when after after her senior year i actually got married right at the end of that year and she graduated and left and things got crazy for me because I'd just been married and so really my world was Mike and and that was a new thing and so trying to learn to well finding a place to live and money and all those things and just enjoying being together kind of took that whole summer and when I came back in the fall of course she wasn't there and we just sort of lost touch now I have since then 
wondered how she was and wanted to look her up, but her name is very common. Her name is Tiffany, and her last name was also a common last name, and though I've looked her up on Google and I've looked her up on Facebook and tried to, I kind of knew roughly where she was from, but I'd never actually been to her house. And I knew that her dad owned a donut business in Colorado. And I kind of tried to look that up, but I wasn't able to narrow it down enough to really find her, even though I've searched. And what I realized is I don't know enough information about her to find her. I don't I don't know if she got married, so if her name has changed or not. I don't know if she stayed in that area or where she moved to. And so I don't know enough to be able to find her. And that is sad because I would love to get back in touch with her and see how she's doing and share how my life has been. But it's something that I can't do because I don't know her well enough to do that anymore. And I think that that directly for me this week related to knowing the name of our Savior if we really know him and we know where he we can find him he will he's there we can find him if we know him and by doing so we take his name upon us and we're called by his name i always tease my kids well lately i have been because they've gotten into this habit of at the end of their prayers saying in the name of jesus christ amen and i always tease them that Sometime in church, when when the t- conversation comes up, because it always comes up, what are some different names the Savior is called? I'm going to raise my hand and say, he's called Jesus, because that's what we call him in prayers. And it's not just my family. I've heard it from other people in prayers in church and stuff in this area. And it's it's a joke that I made to my children just to bring about the point that that's not his name, and it's not just something we have to tack on at the end of the prayer because that's what we were taught in our culture, but we're praying in the name of Jesus Christ, and that is really important, and it's not something to rush through. His name matters, which the prophet actually talked to us about in one of the recent conferences about how important it is that we call ourselves the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or the Restored Church of Jesus Christ. But the most important thing is that we keep the name of Jesus Christ in the church as we refer to it, and how important that is. And that's because we need to know the name by which we're called, and so do those around us. They need to know that we're called after His name, so that we can be examples of Him. I thought a lot this week about Martin Harris and, you know, Section 19 is directed to him, and it's giving him advice about telling him to that he needs to, to mortgage his farm so that he can pay for the printing of the first 5,000 copies of the Book of Mormon. This is a huge thing and a, a wonderful and important step that needed to happen to help people learn about the restored gospel of Jesus Christ, but... It was a huge sacrifice on Martin's part. Nobody else could even hope to come up with anything anything at all to make a difference in this the money that was needed, this $3,000. And at the time, that was a huge sum. And <laughs> it's still a pretty good sum, in my opinion, but nothing like it used to be. But Martin Harris wanted to do this, but it was a difficult decision to actually follow through with, I think. And, you know... So in thinking about Martin Harris this week, I we I think many of us often think less of him because of his weaknesses. You know, he he lost the manuscript. He pestered Joseph until he got it, and then he lost it. Um, he frequently it seems like he he would 
leave or lose graces with the church or with with the Lord, and then then he would come back, and then he would anyway. I just feel like he was a little bit back and forth, and sometimes we think a little less of him for that. But you know, he struggled with this decision to risk his farm to publish the Book of Mormon. But as I've really been thinking about Martin Harris and really trying to relate to him. Two things have come to my mind this week, and the first thing is that he came back every time he came back. That must have been difficult, and there have been many, especially at that time, there were some, and they were prominent church members and supporters who left the church, and some made it very difficult and tried to thwart the work after that. Martin Harris came back. And I think about my own life, how often do I make a mistake? Sometimes even the same one that I've made countless times before, even after I promised myself and my Heavenly Father that I wouldn't do it again, how many times do I do it? Do I keep coming back? I hope that I always do. The second thing I really thought about with Martin Harris is about the great sacrifice he was asked to make to to give up his home and it was a wonderful a nice home he had a nice farm and he was asked to give most of that up and i thought about what have i been asked to sacrifice sometimes i think too much right we we see we think I just got a call from somebody. We need to clean the church on Saturday. That's like an hour of my day that I don't have, or it's in an inconvenient time for me, or I had other plans, things going on. How about a calling that I'm given that I think, oh, I don't really want to serve in that calling. I don't really like it. How about, I just had a calling in a leadership position, and now I can. Now I don't anymore. And I can't access information I want about the board members, <laughs> like their ages. <laughs> or I can't, I feel like when I was in that calling, I would have done a, or had I been in that calling, I would have done a better job. Things like that, that I think sometimes we're asked to sacrifice a little bit of our time or our possessions or, or maybe sacrifice the way we think things should be done in favor of what a different leader has in mind. Or how about a Sunday afternoon for meetings that I don't feel like we I want to go to? Or maybe maybe my son is bringing sacrament bread more often than I think is his fair share. I just thinking about some of these things that every once in a while can bother people. I I think they just seem so trivial compared to what was asked of Martin Harris. You know, sometimes the Lord asks, can you donate this for service project? Can you do this? And and we think, that's mine. This is this is what I do for a living. Or this is my stuff that I, I've worked hard to earn. And I'm sure Martin Harris, he, he was a successful man, which means he must have worked for... He, he knew how to get what he wanted, and he worked hard for it, and he was successful. And... I think in the moment when he knew what the Lord wanted, it, it had to have helped him make that decision. But living with the long-term consequences had to have been difficult for him. You know, it's one thing to say in that moment when you pray for something and you say, yes, I know this is the way I need to go. 
This is what I need to be doing. Yeah, it's easy to make the decision in that moment, but to follow through with it and then to live with those consequences after, I think that can be very difficult. Martin Harris was lucky enough to have this this revelation that he could fall back on later when he must have gone through those difficult times. I was reading in some of the church history stuff this week about how he tried so hard to sell the Book of Mormon after it came out so he could get his money back and it just wouldn't sell and how difficult that was. And he had asked Joseph for another revelation and Joseph referred him back to this one. And how, how difficult for Martin to give up his home, his farm, or at least a good part of it for the work of the Lord, but also helped to see that he did have a testimony of the truthfulness of the Book of Mormon and the importance of letting others know that. In section 19, verse 26, when the Lord is telling him what to do, he says, I command thee that thou shalt not covet thine own property, but impart it freely to the printing of the Book of Mormon. And when I read that, I substituted my own stuff in for that. So I said, I command, or I didn't say, but the scripture says, I command thee that thou shalt not covet. Then you can fill in the blank with whatever it is that we are struggling with right now, but impart it freely. And here I substituted to the restored church of Jesus Christ. And verse 30, I think also applies. It says, and thou shalt do it with all humility, trusting in me. And that is so important. We must trust in the Lord. And and when he requires something at our hand, be willing to give it. Because that is how we show our love for him, is by obeying him. Or by not obeying him, we can show our lack of love and trust. But the Lord gives us the call. We don't get to choose how or where we serve. It's not like a buffet. You can pick and choose what you want. And I think that applies to another scripture I was reading this week in Doctrine and Covenants, section 121, verse 34. Behold, there are many called, but few are chosen. And why are they not chosen? Verse 35, because their hearts are set so much upon the things of this world. And I, I think that as we trust in the Lord, we turn our hearts to Him. And we, we set our hearts upon His will and not the things of the world. We don't aspire to the honors of men, as it says in that section, but we we turn to him. And like the manual says, this question is really stuck in my mind this week. What is the gospel of Jesus Christ worth to me? What am I willing to sacrifice to help build God's kingdom? Um, I wanted to, to end with this verse in section 18 verse 36 it says wherefore you can testify that you have heard my voice and know my words and i was just i think even though maybe we don't have a section in the doctrine of covenants dedicated to us we can testify that we have spiritually heard his voice we've heard it in our hearts and it has changed our lives as we have really allowed it to change our hearts, I guess. I was thinking about what does the voice of God sound like? Because it said, heard his voice. And I thought, well, I've never heard his voice. I, you know, when, when, when Jesus Christ spoke to the Nephites, or, I mean, it's happened so many times. Many have heard his voice, but I have not actually heard his voice. But I have spiritually heard his voice. 
And to me, it's direct. It always gives correction when it's needed, (laughs) but also speaks encouragement. And his voice tells of strengths and it gives me comfort and reassurances when I need them. So now that I know I have spiritually heard his voice, I can do as it says in verse 36, testify that I have heard his voice and know his words. And I do testify that I that I have heard the, the voice of my Savior as I read the scriptures and as I pray and receive revelation, I hear his voice in my heart and I have a testimony that he lives and that this is his restored church. I'm thankful to know that and to have that in my life. Next week, we are studying Doctrine and Covenants, sections 20 through 22. Have a great week.